Let's open our Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. See if I got this here. There we go. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Last week we talked about hope and the biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. It's not like the world thinks of hope as kind of, well, I, I feel like maybe something will happen. I kind of hope that something might happen. But, but the biblical definition of hope is this confident expectation that what God has said, He will do. Why? Because of who He is, because of His promises, because of His faithfulness. So we really have to... Uh, think about this, and I, and I think it's something we need to think about often, is where do we put our hope? Because I think we get distracted. And we looked at, uh, in the Psalms, you know, where the psalm writer, you know, he had to speak to himself. He had to have a, have a discussion with himself about where he put his hope. And then he needs to put his hope in the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I had to have a discussion with myself a couple times this week that put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. We need to keep, keep our focus on that. Our hope, our confident expectation is in Him. Because He is the only one that is secure. And He says we, Hebrews writer, the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That's, what's, that's what keeps us from getting blown about, is that hope. The confident expectation of what God has promised for us. Now today, I want to ask you a question. Do you ever hear this expression? Expression? <laughs> expression? Are you guys okay today? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Anybody ever hear that? And what does that mean? <laughs> it means you're a hypocrite. Right? What? Well, we know that's true, but that's yeah, not what that phrase necessarily means. What does it mean? Say, do as I say, not as I do. What does he what does he mean? What do we mean when we say that? Do what you're supposed to do, not the wrong thing that I'm doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I tell you to do something, you should really do this, and then I do something different. That's why he calls it hypocrisy. I do something different. Do what I'd say to do, but don't do as I do. Because what I'm doing is not what I'm saying, right? There's a kind of an inconsistency there, right? Why is it, why is it that we don't do what we say? Besides being hypocrites. Why is it that we don't do what we say? We don't want to? It's hard sometimes, yeah. It's easier to talk about it than it is to do. It's easier to talk about it. Believe me, I know that. I have to get up here and talk about it every week, and it's a lot easier to get up and talk about it than it is to actually do it. So I think we should all just give up, <laughs> quit, don't say anything, right? Because then you might have to, you might get put on the spot or, or, or you know, called on the carpet, as they say. For not doing what you said. The truth of the matter is this, that sound doctrine, we've been talking a lot about sound doctrine and good teaching. They are crucial, very, very crucial. It's very important. But it's also important to live the life. 
Not just to have the, you know, you know, this church over there, they got the best teaching in the world. They got the solid, the most solid doctrine of all. But none of them ever lives like it. What would you think about that church? Would you go there? We're called, really, to live what we believe, what we preach. I read this, and I thought this was kind of interesting, that, that English is a strange language. It says there's no butter and buttermilk, no egg and eggplant, no ham and a hamburger, at least that I know of. Now, some places you've got to wonder, like, what is in this? <laughs> Not the ones we serve out here, though. No apple and pineapple. Quicksand works very slowly. And boxing rings are square. You know, the inconsistency of a language, you know, that it really, we, we kind of get by with that. It's okay. It's not that significant. But the writer here, he said, inconsistency in li- inconsistencies in life are significant. Christians must act, act like Christians. Our words and deeds must be consistent with what we profess. So what we want to look at today is that we're called to be an example. There's some hard questions that we have to ask. Are we a good example? What kind of example am I? Can people see Jesus in me, in my life? Let's look at verses 11 and 12. He says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Father in heaven, we pray you'd open up our hearts for your word, Lord. We pray you would uh, help us to understand, and not only help us to understand, but help us to live. Help us to live what you've called us to live. And be the people you've called us to be, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, he starts off in this verse, and you, you see, as I, as I mentioned already, about good doctrine, good teaching. He says, command and teach these things. He's been talking about that. And then he talks about being an example. So the, the teaching is good, but living the life is good as well. And they really kind of go together. But he starts off with this in, in verse 11. He says, command and teach these things. And, and it really can apply to everything that he's been talking about in this letter. And you say, well, that's kind of a strong word, the command and, and teach these things. But you know what? We're talking about the word of God here. We're, we're not talking about the suggestions that God gives to us. They're commands. And, and maybe we don't like that word. And the reason we wouldn't like that word is why? Because we're human beings and, and you're not the boss of, you know, how old were you when you first said that? How old are you now, And you, as you're still saying that? You know, we say that to God. We say that to our parents, but we really say that to God. You're not the boss of me. But the Word of God, we're talking about God, the creator of the universe, the one that we have bowed the knee to and said, you are my Lord, my Savior, my God. The one, uh, one commentator, he, he, he translated that word command, insist on. These are, again, clear and strong. He, he, he's telling Timothy, who had a problem with fear, he said, he said, be clear and be strong. Don't have fear. This is the Word of God. This is what God is saying, and we, we can't, you know, sugarcoat it. 
which is kind of something that's happening. Uh, we, we've seen it in the church in the last number of years where things get kind of sugar-coated and watered down. Why? Because it, it's not popular. And it's not politically correct, if I can use that term. Somebody uh, who you've probably seen on the television talks, talks you know, in, in, in quite a way, and, and they say, well, you're just not politically correct. And he gets a lot of flack for that. And I'm not endorsing anybody. Just using this as an example of this, of this term. But the fact of the matter is that God's word is God's word. And for us to water it down and make it say something else just because we don't want somebody to get upset, somebody to get, you know, angry. No, it's the truth. And so Paul told Timothy, you need to command these things. You need to teach these things. You need to be faithful, consistent. The next thing he says there is don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Now, I was wondering about this. Who would look down on him because he was young? Who would do that? Does that happen? The old folks? Goes to show you the old folks. How's that go? You never can tell. Uh, the, old, the older people would look down on him and say, you can't be telling me that. You can't be saying this. Now, they, they estimate, really, Timothy was, he wasn't like 15. He was probably between 25 and 35. And this term kind of related to being of military age. And, and so, you know, he wasn't like a, a little kid, but, but there was in that culture, the older, you know, had the respect, and the younger, they had to just be quiet and listen. But Paul said to Timothy, don't let anything stop you from doing what you're called to do. So my takeaway from that is, is it doesn't matter if you're young, it doesn't matter if you're old, don't let anything stop you from what you're called to do. Paul's telling Timothy that. People giving him maybe fear tactics, and we know that Timothy kind of had a problem with fear, right? Because Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord. He said, don't be afraid to speak. You know, God has given us a, a spirit of power and of love. A sound mind. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. He's not, he's not the one that, that is making us afraid to be uh, truthful and, and to clearly and strongly proclaim what God's word says. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to say the truth. He says, because you're young. What about because you're old? What about because you're a woman? What about because of all the different things in our own lives? And, and, and I think, I think that, that uh, we, have to, we have to be careful because I don't know about you, but I, I feel a fear when, when I have someone I want to share some truth with. You ever feel that way? You feel some kind of a fear? Well, that's not coming from the Lord. Some of it comes from our own self and some from just... Like we're afraid of what people are going to think. Well, we have to remember, first, first of all, that it's God's word. It's not our word. And, and we don't have to, you know, be apologetic about it, apologize for what it says. No, this is just what the Bible says. And I, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. 
I didn't make this up. I didn't come up with it. It's what the Bible says, what God's Word says. And I believe it's God's Word, and this is what it says. And then God says that His Word won't return void. He says that He'll use it to bring about something. So, say, well, Timothy, he says, don't, don't let anyone despise you for you. Don't, don't be consumed by fear. And I think he would say that to you and I as well. Don't be afraid to speak something that's true. You know, we had a storm, big storm this week. Any of you, knew, any of you know that? <laughs> like, where did that come from? You know, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this thing turns into like an insane thing. And, and, and um, this is my observation. Because they didn't have two days to hype it to the maximum freak-out level, they afterwards hyped it to the maximum freak-out level after. They got it in, no matter what. Is that true? When they know a big storm's coming, it's like everybody's glued to their sets and the ratings go up and because they, they're just, oh, you know, it's going to be... And, and this time they got caught off guard. Really, they did. So they said, well, we missed out on two days of ratings. We're going to have to boost it all up now. But it was bad, right? It was really bad. I forgot what I was going to, why I was talking about that. We had this storm come up, and um, it's going to have to come back to me because I just lost that train of thought. That hype thing got me going. Um, Man, you know, getting old is really hard. <laughs> you know, I was in the pool yesterday. We got this inflatable pool. And uh, I wanted to teach the kids how to play a game. And I couldn't remember the name of it. And so I had to look at Justin. I said, Justin, what's that game, you know, where one person closes their eyes and calls out something? I couldn't remember it. So... You're going to have to bear with me, and I know you guys are so gracious with me. It's, like, incredible. We'll come back to the storm uh, in a minute. He goes on to say, though, in this verse, verse uh, 12, he says, and this is the point of my message here, is to be an example. He says, set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Set an example, he says. Now, some versions say, be an example, and I, I like that actually better. This version says, set an example, but I like the idea to be an example. It's something that we are, you see. There are those two different understandings. One to set an example for the believers, and, and to, uh, another version says to be an example of the believers. I think they're both true. We set an example for the believers as, as, as a believer the people around us, we're setting an example for them to see what it, what it means to be a believer. But also to the people around us who are not believers, we're setting an example of what a believer is supposed to be like. To be an example. I think they're both true. An example for those that are more mature and maybe to show the way for those that are younger. Not necessarily in age, but in the faith. So I want to ask the question here today, what does or what should a believer look like? What does or what should a believer look like? He tells us to set an example. So 
when I ask you that question, what comes to your mind? What, what does a believer look like? And, and we all have, you know, this, this stereotype, well, a believer, uh, this is what a believer is. He's got this big, giant, you know, 15-inch Bible, and he carries around this big Bible, and he has a suit and a tie, you know, and um, he uses all these special words, words that nobody understands, you know, are you saved? What are you talking about? What do you mean saved? You know, these words that people, is that, is that the kind of picture that you get when someone says, what should a believer look like? So when I ask you that question, what comes to your mind? I'm curious. What comes to your mind? Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a good expression. What, what does or what should a believer look like? Compassionate, helpful. Compassionate, helpful. Humble. Self-control. Humble. Self-control. Love. And joy. He says, be an example. This is like who you are. This is like who we are. He says, be an example. Set an example of the believer what does a believer look like? And then he goes on to list these different things. And, and what, I, what I was thinking about this is I can tell you're a believer or a Christian by. And then he lists these things. Can people look at us and say, hey, you know what? I can tell you're a Christian by. And then, and then something about us. There's something about us, or there should be, right, that makes us different right, from those that are not believers. Is that true? What happens if, it, if it's not true? Two things I want to mention. One is it'll keep us from speaking the truth, right? If our, li- if our life doesn't add up to what we profess... Well, we just stop professing. We stop speaking. And secondly, if we are still speaking, it makes us ineffective. It makes us ineffective. It makes us, you know, kind of... I, I, I still remember this. I, I was working in a factory, and there was a guy there who was not a Christian. He was absolutely not a Christian. And, and, and he, but he was the nicest guy. I, he was a friend. I worked with him day after day. And he said to me, he said, you know, I was at a party the other night. And he said, there, there was a guy who said he was a Christian, but there he was smoking pot and doing all this stuff. And, and what he was saying was, you know, the guy was professing one thing, but he was doing another. And that's what him as an unbeliever was looking at. He could see that. It's like obvious, right? It's like something you, people can see. Somebody who's genuine. Someone who's real. Now, when we look at these things here and, and just this whole subject, it's not an easy thing. Like we said in the beginning, it's not easy. Why don't we do what we say? Because it's not easy. And we are sinners, like someone said over here. But does that mean we just give up trying? No, I think we need to pray. We need to ask God to continually work in my life that I might be what you've called me to be, that I might live the way you've called me to live. What's the first thing that he talks about here? He says, I can, tell you're, I can tell you're a believer, number one. He says, in speech. 
He says, be an example, set an example for the believers in speech and how we talk. That's the first thing he mentions, is how we talk. I can tell you're a believer by, by how you speak. Now, what do you think he means by that? Just that you speak Christianese, that you speak all the good spiritual words, is that what he's saying? I think it's more than that, don't you? The kind of language that we use, the kind of words that we use, the kind of subjects that we talk about. James goes on and on about this. The kind of jokes that we say. Are we people that gossip and slander? Are we people who are critical all the time? And this critical stuff comes out of our mouths all the time and say, man, that guy is a, he's, I can tell you're a Christian because how critical you are. Huh? Man, I can tell that, that guy's a Christian because he's so, um, he lies all the time. No, to be honest, to be honest people, that we tell the truth. Because the devil uh, has a native language, and I love that verse, and I don't love the fact that it's true, but it is true. Jesus said, what's the, the devil's native language? Lying. Lying. He says, that's what he does. So for us, when we lie, when we don't tell the truth, we're not, we're not representing. James says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be, he said. What comes out of our mouths? What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of my mouth? Sometimes we should be ashamed of ourselves, really, for the way we speak. But again, James says, you know, it's like that little fire. It's like, it's like you got to, you know, it, it, it little, like a little rudder that, sheer, uh, that steers this giant ship. It, it's a little thing, but it can cause all kinds of problems, all kinds of trouble. I guess probably the best thing is if you don't have anything good to say, you know what your mother told you don't have anything good to say probably best not to say it if if it's just if you know it's already critical and you know it's it's just out of line and it's you know rude or or whatever just don't say it just close your mouth i can tell you're a christian by the way you talk people think that about us it doesn't necessarily mean we're not christians it just means that we need, to, we need to have some consistency between how we talk. The second one he says in, in life. Be an example. Set an example in, in your life. In other words, I can tell you're a Christian by how you live, by how we live. What kind of life? What kind of attitude of life? What kind of goals? What kind of focus of my life is there? Now, let me ask you this. If, if I look exactly like someone who's not a believer, someone who's completely sold out to the world, what are you going to think? What, what's your, what, what are you going to say? If you find me down at the bar and you find me at partying and this and doing all the things that the world is all caught up in, what are, what are you going to say? What would you say about me? Say, well, that guy's the biggest phony, or he's the biggest hypocrite, or that guy's messed up, right? How could you be out doing all that stuff? You said you're a Christian. 
It just came back to me about the storm. Sometimes it takes a little while. So we had this big storm now. I'll break right into it before I forget. We had this big storm, right? And uh, I went over to my neighbor's house. And I've been praying for my neighbors and sharing with them for years. I've lived there 15 years. I went over there, and, and, and one of the neighbors, he said to me, he says, oh, man, you got a, a halo over your house, right? I go like, what are you talking about? So you didn't get any trees come down in your house. Look at these big trees and stuff come down in my yard. And I just go, like, so I went back over there later, and I said, you know what? You can have a halo over your house, too. You just need to have Jesus in your life, you know? And, and uh, so it kind of opened up this conversation. And, and to be looking for opportunities to just share truth. Well, you can have Jesus in your life, too. And a little bit later, he says to me, you know, I, I, I pray every night. I said, oh, that's good. As long as you're praying to Jesus. And he's talking about some other thing. And I'm going like, I'm not sure about that. But just that you're praying to Jesus. See, those opportunities are all around us. But if he saw me out there getting plastered in front of my house, what kind of a word would he have to say about me? Let's get back to where we were here. I'm glad I recovered. I would have been thinking about it all night long. I don't know if I would have been able to sleep. I can tell you're a Christian. I can tell you're a believer by how you live. The next one, he says, they're in love. Set an example. Be an example of the believer in love. How we love. I can tell you're a believer because there's some agape there. That's a God kind of love. That's a love that's only in the Bible. It comes from God. That God is like putting some kind of love in our lives for, not only for him, but for people. Right? We have it on the wall, loving God, loving people, but is it really happening? Well, I love God, but I hate you. <laughs> people see that and they go like, okay, you're a real winner. What kind of a person are you? you? You know, I can tell you're a believer. I can tell you're a Christian because you have love. And Jesus said it, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. What? If you love one another, if we love each other here, even in this group. Next one, he says, in faith. I can tell you you're a believer by how you believe that you've got some faith. And it also, some say this also includes faithfulness. But in the good times and the bad times, do you, you, know, do you, do you just hold on to your faith that you trust that God is, God is still on the throne? God is still working. God is still God. You know, in the good times and the bad. I can see, I can tell. Some versions have in spirit as well. And, and uh, I can tell because you have, there's something spiritual about you. There's some enthusiasm about you. And then the last one he says there is impurity. I can tell you're a believer. You're an example of the believer because you, there's some purity in your life. And really that, that, you know, that's how we think and that's how we live. This is in all areas, and it includes sexual purity. That there's some purity, that, we're, that we haven't completely sold out to the way the world thinks. 
We live in an extremely impure world. You know, the, the, nine-tenths of the media, 99%, you know, it's sold out to this impurity. I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, that even in commercials now, commercials now, they have gotten so rude and it's got to be something about sexual impurity. It's got to be something about some kind of lust, some kind of, you know, that, that the Bible doesn't condone. It's like even in the commercial, you can't even... And I'm not just talking about the beer commercials that, you know, they've always had women parading all over them, but I'm talking about selling cars, everything now. Pay attention to that. See, notice it. We live in a very impure world, but, but we're called to be an example of what purity looks like. What purity looks like. Can people tell that we're believers? Even the people in our own church. He says to be an example, to set an example. We, we think about some examples uh, in the Bible. Jesus, of course, he, it says in John 13, you know, he washed the disciples' feet. And what did he say? He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I've set you an example. Jesus set an example, and, and we are called to be more like Jesus. And that particular example was to humble ourselves and to be, someone said it, I think, Alex said it, about humble ourselves, humility. And we're not afraid to be a servant. Serve people. Paul the Apostle, he says, join with others in following my example. And take note of those who live according to the pattern the example that we gave you. The Thessalonians, he said to them, you became a model, you became an example to all the believers in that area. And the Lord's message rang out from you. The leaders, 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, but being an example. I think for a leader not to be an example is not to be a leader at all. So I want to close with a few quips or quotes thinking about this idea of being an example. Mark Twain, you all know who he is. He said this, fewer things, fewer things are harder to put up with than the, than the annoyance of a good example. He's, he's got a way with words, doesn't he? Someone else said this, He that gives good advice builds with one hand. He that gives good counsel and example builds with both hands. But he that gives good admonition and bad example builds with one hand and pulls down with the other. Someone else said this, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. How about this, John Donne, the poet? He said, of all the commentaries on the scriptures, good examples are the best. This one kind of hurts a little bit. If you don't live it, you don't have it. Mm. This one might be an encouragement for you. Don't feel useless. You can always be used as a bad example. But this one was my favorite. Don't 
tell me about your labor pains. Show me the baby. Some of you don't even get it. <laughs> Show me the baby. I want, to see, I want to see it. Don't tell me all about it. Don't tell me about how spiritual you are, how good of a Christian I am. I want to tell you about my halo. No, I, I need to live the life in front of you, in front of my neighbor who sees me every day. What kind of a life, what kind of an example is he seeing Set an example. Be an example. Challenging, huh? If you're not challenged, I don't know. We have to have a little talk afterwards. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and, and even the challenging parts, the ex exhortations that are there. The encouragement there, too, that to live the life that you called us to be, to live. To be the people of God, the believers, to set an example to those around us, even, even amongst ourselves, that we can show each other, how, how, how does a believer live? I can tell you're a believer by how we, how we speak, how we live, how we love, how we believe the moral character of our lives, purity. Father, help us. That's all I can say is help us. We, we, are, we have good intentions, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we pray that we would help to be honest and, and to be what you've called us to be, Lord. Be, to be an example who we are. Father, I pray this morning as well as we always want to give that opportunity to anybody who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know the love of Jesus in their lives. If that's you this morning, you need to know that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he gave his life for you, that he loves you, that he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven forever and ever. And, and all you need to do is trust him. Give your life and trust him. Simply call out, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm lost. I don't have any hope. So I come to you. I come to that cross. And I, and I ask you to come into my life and be my savior today. In Jesus' name. Amen.